All right. Well, good evening, or if you're somewhere that it's morning, good morning. Amen. I know we've got folks that uh, tune into the class in different uh, time zones and different areas. Amen. And then watch it recorded at different times. So I've tried to, uh, like, discipline myself to not say good evening, but I gave up on that six classes ago. It just comes out of me. So anyway, um, howdy. Maybe I should say it like that, howdy. But uh, anyway, praise God. It's good to, um, to have you with us. If you're watching with us online, thank you for um, your time and commitment to these classes. And um, we're excited about our content tonight. I believe the Lord's going to open our hearts and eyes and, and minds to some things maybe that we've never understood or, or maybe need some clarification on. So always like it when that happens. Praise God. Well, let's, uh, let's pray. Father, uh, we come to you now in Jesus' name. We acknowledge the Holy Spirit and His presence in our lives, and we say thank you uh, for this amazing gift uh, of the third member of the Trinity who's, who's in us and with us and among us. Jesus, you said the Holy Spirit would lead us and guide us into all truth, and we submit to Him now as our teacher, as our guide, as He leads us and directs us into the truth that we need to hear and understand and embrace, Lord, for uh, our lives. Father, uh, no doubt in an an audience of, of this size, both here in the room and online, there are some folks that have learned some things about you that are not true learn some things uh, from your word and believe some things from your word that your word does not teach. And so, Father, help us tonight as we learn some things to effectively unlearn uh, or set aside uh, some opinions and ideas that, that we may have embraced at some point in the past, Lord, that are, that are not correct and that do not line up with and agree with your truth. Thank you, Father, for your love for us. Thank you, Father, for... Uh, your promise to diligent, uh, I'm sorry, Father, to reward those who diligently seek you. And Lord, uh, I thank you for all the diligence that's represented, uh, Lord, in this class now. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. And amen. Praise God. Well, um, the uh, title of uh, class number 12 is uh, God's Word and then Heaven's Plural. Sometimes I get ambitious and uh, title these classes uh, things that I really don't have a chance to get to. I believe we only briefly introduced Heaven's Plural last week. Um, and so we're going to really get into the meat of it tonight. And, and if we have time, uh, the title may eventually change uh, to Heaven's Plural and then Kingdom Overview. But that's what's next anyway after we cover Heaven's Plural. We're going to do an overview of uh, the Kingdom. And, and what I mean by an overview to, to, to really kind of see and understand what the kingdom is and why it was so important and why it was the primary topic of Jesus' uh, teaching. So, But anyway, um, let's begin once again with Isaiah 55 and uh, verses uh, 6 through 11. He says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he's near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him. And to our God, for He will abundantly pardon. Then God speaking, if you notice, it's, it's in uh, quotation marks here. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, 
So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Now, to um, combine all of this with the, uh, the things that we have covered up to this point, remember, every born-again believer has been given by God the work of the ministry, and that is defined for us as the ministry of reconciliation. To be effective in the ministry of reconciliation, we've been given the word of reconciliation, which is the word of God. And we said that His word then becomes the standard by which all other thoughts and ideas and, and uh, ways and wisdom are, are measured. And that if it's a thought that tries to exalt itself against or above the knowledge of God, that's something that we must individually cast down. We can't allow, I think this is a Bill Johnson quote, we can't allow a thought um, in our hearts and minds uh, that didn't come from God. And we've mentioned it, I think, once or twice in here already, but when God comes into the Garden of Eden after Adam and Eve have sinned, He asked them some questions, and it wasn't so much that God was looking for answers. God knew the answers, but He was establishing some very important understanding in asking those questions. And one of the things that He asked Adam when Adam said that he was naked, God said, "'Who told you you were naked?' And what we see is this is such a pivotal moment in the brief history of humankind up until that point because for the first time in human history, a human being has a thought or an opinion that did not originate with God. This uh, thought and opinion came from Adam via his uh, giving in to the temptation that was offered to him by Satan. And so God's Word is the weapon it's the it's the hammer that breaks the rock in pieces it's the seed it's it's the sword of the spirit you know we've covered a lot of that already so I'm not going to try to review all of that but here we see that his word once returned to him uh, there's a, a, a spiritual principle at, at play here that's mirrored in the physical uh, principles of precipitation and um, you know, the way plants and seed are activated by water. Uh, but again, the precipitation comes down, the plants absorb it, the earth absorbs it, and it serves as a catalyst. Um, it activates, it sets things in motion. And God is saying that His Word is like that. When it's returned to Him, it will not return to Him void. It will not return to Him uh, without uh, producing any results. It will not return to Him without creating benefit for, for your, you know, on your part, for, on your behalf, as well as uh, for other people's behalf, okay? Uh, so we know the Word of God is living and powerful, and we know that um, the living and powerful Word of God contains uh, within it the power of God. We, we looked at the Word of His power last week and how it's God's Word that, that becomes the, uh, the pipeline, the conduit through which His power is directed into a situation. So when we say His words are powerful, uh, men and women on the earth can deliver powerful speeches that motivate and inspire and encourage. And certainly there's plenty of 
motivation, uh, empowerment, and encouragement from the words of God. But he's talking about next level power here. He's, he's talking about literally his power is directed into a situation. And so we looked at the verse where the Bible says he sent his word and, and healed them. We see this from the Old Testament. We also see examples of it in the earthly ministry of Jesus where he uh, spoke the word only and people were healed that were you know, many miles away. Jesus never touched them, never laid hands on them, but he spoke the word and his words directed the power of God to bring healing into those uh, situations. So Isaiah 51 and 16 it's a verse that I really want you to become familiar with, perhaps even uh, commit to memory, but at least something that you are uh, have working understanding of because it's so much a part of the destiny for which we were created. And this is obviously recorded in the Old Testament, but it is one of these universal uh, uh, scriptures. As a matter of fact, when God created Adam, one translation says that when God breathed into Adam's nostrils the breath of life, that, that Adam became a speaking spirit. He became a speaking spirit, a spirit that can speak. Okay, Created the image and likeness of God. So Isaiah 51 and 16, it says, uh, And I, God speaking, I have put my words in your mouth. I have covered you with the shadow of my hand, that I may plant the heavens, lay the foundations of the earth, and say to Zion... You are my people. So three things here. Plant the heavens, lay the foundations of the earth, and say to Zion, you are my people. We see in Scripture that things are, uh, I don't know if you all used this expression growing up around your house, but my, my family certainly did. If something wasn't working correctly, we would say it was out of whack. Amen. Y'all ever use that one? I don't know what, the, I don't know what, what whack is and what it means to be out of it, but it's out of whack. In other words, it's, it's, it's not working or it's not working as it was intended to work. And we see that sin uh, is, has caused this planet uh, to be out of whack. It's, it's not working as it was originally uh, designed and intended by God to work. And, and of course, so much so that Romans 8 says that the salvation that we've already received will one day be received by this planet. In the same way that we've been redeemed, there's coming a day when this planet uh, will be uh, delivered from its curse and the suffering that it is uh, currently uh, literally groaning under uh, the weight of. So natural disasters and things of this nature are um, a part of why uh, things are not as they should be and not as God intended for them to be. And so Jesus is our example in everything. And we see that Jesus would take these situations, natural issues, uh, poverty and lack, sickness and disease, people who were actually possessed by demons. And Jesus would set those things in order. He would restore uh, things back to the way God intended for them to be. Uh, in some cases on individual uh, basis, in other cases on you know, large groups of, of people that Jesus would minister to. And so he wants to do the same thing with you and me. Uh, his desire is to put His words in your mouth to cover you with the shadow of His hand so that He can then plant the heavens, lay the foundations of the earth, say to Zion, you are my people. This say to Zion, you are my people, this is directly referring to 
um, our ability to share the Word of God with other people and, and, and those people hear and believe that Word and be born again and, and become uh, people of God, become uh, children of God. Laying the foundations of the earth, we've already uh, addressed that uh, you know, briefly in the sense that you know, correcting things and setting things in order. As a matter of fact, there's a verse that we'll look at a little bit later that actually says it that way, call, declare, and set in order using the words of God in our mouth. But there's this concept of truth that we have here, planting the heavens with the Word of God. Planting the heavens with the Word of God. Do you see how um, he brings this truth to us in Isaiah 51 and then expounds upon it in greater detail uh, when he comes to chapter 55? That it's, you know, God's word comes down from a higher place to a lower place. We then return that word back to him. Remember, if the word of God is a sword, you swing it by speaking. If the word of God is a hammer, you chip away by speaking. If the word of God is seed, you plant it by speaking. And if we return the word of God to him, like precipitation returns back to the atmosphere in a natural sense, we do that by speaking the word of God. Speaking the word of God. Saying what God says saying what God says. Let me tell you what to revolutionize your prayer life. When you pray, just pray the Word. I'm not saying that's, that's all you should do. I'm not saying that that's, you know, if you can't pray the Word, don't pray. Don't, don't read into something. Don't read more into what I'm saying here, you know, than, than the face value of it, okay? But, you know, I just triple dog dare you to start praying the Word of God over your life, over your family, over your situation, you know, whatever circumstances you may be dealing with that seem insurmountable. Begin to say about those things what God says about those things. The scriptures are very clear that the poor man, let the poor man say, I'm rich. It requires no faith for a poor man to talk about how poor he is, for a broke sister to talk about how broke she is. But yet that's, that's what we hear and that's what we do. That's what we've been trained to do um, by this world system, perhaps by the families that we were, that we were you know, raised up in. Uh, we, complaining, I don't know, whatever we want to call that. Um, Jesus didn't say what the problem said. Jesus said what the answer said. Amen. And that's such a vital, vital thing for us to begin to develop uh, in our lives. Find out what God said about it and say that. Amen. Find out what God said about your family, what God said about your children, what God said about your money, what God said about your future, what God said about your purpose, what God said about your health, what God said about your sin, what God said about your righteousness, what God said about your freedom, what God said about your prosperity. I, mean, I could go on and on. Find out what He said about these things and say that. How much faith does it take for a broke man or woman to talk about how broke they are? And we've got to where we, we even like make jokes about it, you know. Um, poor as Job's turkey. Well, first of all, Job was one of the richest men that ever lived in his day. Okay, so I would imagine his turkeys probably slept with silk sheets. Amen. But but we say these little things to try to be cute and funny, and and we don't realize that we're just saying what what Satan would want us to be saying about our situation and about our finances. And so it requires no faith to talk about how broke you are if you if you're struggling. In, in the financial area. But it does require faith to say, right, I'm rich. Amen. I'm rich. Because God says I'm rich. He has made me rich. He who knew no sin became sin for me so that I might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. 
He became, he who was rich became poor. Jesus became poor so that we might become rich. Poverty is part of the curse. Sickness and disease is part of the curse. Addiction, bondage to sin, part of the curse. All of these things are part of the curse. Amen. And Jesus came up under the curse that was on top of us. He lifted it off of us like a concrete slab and carried it away so that the blessing of Abraham could come upon even the non-biological descendants of Abraham. That's you and me. And so we're blessed. We're blessed. Amen. And so you say, well, Pastor Mark, you don't, you don't know my situation. No, no, listen to me. You don't know the Word of God. Amen. But see, as long as we talk the problem, as long as we talk the poverty, as long as we talk the, 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 the situations and circumstances and never get the answers in our mouths, we're not giving God nor His angels anything to work with in our lives. So He wants to put His words in your mouth. Let Him do that. Let Him do that. Let Him do that. Let the poor man say, I am rich. Let the weak man say, I'm strong. Let the sick man say, I'm healed. God is a God who calls things that be not as though they were. It's because he doesn't look at the natural outward appearance of things. He looks at the inward and spiritual reality of things. And that's one of, that's one of the subjects in, in the evening sermon here at Heritage, is how do we take these inward realities of the new birth and bring them forth into outward manifestations and expressions of life? It's very, very easy to receive spiritual things into your spirit. Spirit receives from spirit very easily, okay? Just like natural receives from natural very easily. It's not hard for me to take a physical $20 bill as a physical being and give it to another physical person. In the same way, it's not that hard for someone who, uh, you know, cries out to God for salvation. Salvation is spiritual in nature, right? God is a spirit. It's very easy for him to, to convey salvation to you on a spiritual level. The challenge then is how do we go from receiving the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he adds no sorrow with it. So if, you, if you're born again, are you, are you see what I'm saying? You've already been made rich. How, the inward reality of your wealth, how does that become an outward expression of life? The inward reality of your healing, by His stripes you will be healed. Is that what it says? You were healed. How do we take the inward reality of the healing we've already received and, and, and realize it as an outward expression of life? And so with the mouth, the Bible says, how, how is a man or woman born again? How do you go from not saved to saved? With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. You've got, you got to say it out of your mouth, right? And so this is, listen, we'll, uh, somebody's pulling that out of me right now. I don't, in this room or online or something. And that, but there's just a lot to this, why God wants to put his words in your mouth. Think about what we've planted the heavens with over the years. I almost shudder to think about it. All the doubt, all the complaining, all the excuses, all the lies, all the deniability, denying, all these things that, that we don't realize are coming out of our mouths and going into uh, the, the atmosphere. Let me, let me try to see if I can show it to you this way. You ever, you ever walked in a room, you didn't hear anybody speaking, but you walked in a room and you knew somebody's been fighting in here. Somebody's been arguing in here. We say it this way, the tension's so thick you can cut it with a knife. Okay? It's because words are spiritual containers. Words are spiritual containers. And when there's envy and strife, the Bible says there's confusion and every evil work. I can go out of my backyard and take a slab of ribs, all sealed up in foil, got the, got the smoker ready, 
And as far as I'm concerned, there's not uh, a fly. I'm talking about an insect, a fly on planet Earth. And then I open up that foil and start messing around to get the thing ready to put it on. And next thing you know, flies are coming out everywhere. There's a reason why Satan is referred to as Beelzebub, the prince or the lord of the flies. There are certain words, there are certain thoughts, there are certain actions that will attract demons and de demonic spirits uh, to you, to the situations in your life, okay? Just like flies to meat, all right? But guess what? There's also certain words, certain thoughts, certain actions that attract uh, non-fallen angels, right? That's all a devil is, is a fallen angel. A demon's a fallen angel. And angels respond to words. That's what we'll see if we get there tonight. Hopefully we will. Angels respond to words. And so the things that we say are either, remember we said it's a catalyst, that which activates, that which sets it in motion. Words are setting spiritual forces in motion. Either the spiritual forces of God and his angels or spiritual forces of, of the devil and his demons. And so when we speak doubt and unbelief and negativity and complaining and, and, and all these other things, it, it literally creates an atmosphere. Have you ever noticed like, like one person can start complaining and then somebody else joins in and it just, it just snowballs? And now all of a sudden you find yourself complaining and you, you don't even know what everybody's complaining about. You know, it, it, it has that, you know, kind of effect uh, upon us. So God wants to cover you with the shadow of his hand and, and he's wanting to um, put his words in your mouth so that he can plant the heavens from your side. Okay, and, and we'll, we'll get into this here a little deeper, but... It's one thing for God to be on His side speaking down to the earth, but He needs somebody on the earth to speak His words back through the heavens to Him. And that's what He desires to do for and with you and me. Now, let's try, not, not try, we're going to in Jesus' name, amen. Let's develop some greater understanding of this. So the word that we saw in Isaiah 51 was uh, heavens with an S. And that's where we come up with the title heavens, comma, plural, as opposed to heaven, comma, singular. This is important to understand. He didn't say that he wanted to plant heaven, but he wanted to put his words in your mouth so that he might plant the heavens uh, as in more than one. Now, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, first verse in the Bible, in the beginning God created the heaven. Is that what it says? No, it's plural again. He created the heavens, more than one, and the earth. It doesn't say the heavens and the earths, okay? One earth, but more than one heaven. Let's look at a few more verses on this. Psalm 33 and 6. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and the host of them by the breath of his mouth. So when we talk about the word of God being living and powerful and all scripture being given by inspiration of God, we, we covered that a few classes ago. But remember, every time God speaks, he releases his breath and his breath is the breath of life. That's why his words are, are living and powerful. His words are the words of life. I cannot speak to you without um, 
uh, expressing air out of my body. Um, I can't hold my breath. You, you, are you following what I'm saying? So when God speaks, he releases breath. Now, remember the, the beautiful uh, picture that we have when God created Adam. See, he formed him from the dust of the earth, but then he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. The same breath of life that caused Adam to become a living being or a speaking spirit is the same breath of God that is released every time he speaks is the same breath uh, that was released when the word of the Lord uh, created the heavens. Do you see this? By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made and the host of them by the breath of his mouth. Now, I want this to be more than just something that's interesting to you or something maybe that you've never heard or haven't heard a lot about. If we, if we hear all of this but don't understand what it has to do with our lives on a moment-by-moment, -moment, daily, or day-by-day -day basis, then we've just learned something that's pretty cool but haven't benefited from it, okay? So let's go now to 1 Kings chapter 8 and verse 27. 1 Kings chapter 8 and verse 27. This is where it gets a little more uh, in-depth, okay? And we're, we're, we're moving towards a greater understanding of these, of these three heavens, or heavens plural. It says, but will, God indeed, uh, but will God indeed dwell on the earth? That's a question, okay? Behold, heaven and the heaven of heavens. Okay, so if you do the math there, he's talking about three. Heaven and then a heaven of heavens cannot contain you. How much less this temple which I have built. Now, this one statement that the Lord gave me several years ago really was, um, it, 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 it helped unlock all of this because when the Holy Spirit began to prompt me that there's something very important here about heaven's plural, you know, obviously trying to understand and, and what does this mean and how does all this fit together and what, what does it have to do with me? What does it have to do with God's people? This verse right here, I knew, it's one thing to say God made the heavens or that they were made by the breath of His mouth, but, but now we're, this one gives us some more detailed, uh, or what I call functional, actionable information. And that is, heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain you how much less this temple which I have built. And so here's the statement. This is what the Lord told me. He said, the heaven over you has a heaven over it. Okay? The heaven over you has a heaven over it. That's what he is saying in 1 Kings chapter 8 and verse 27. There's a heaven, and then there's a heaven, and then there's a heaven's heaven. So he's talking about an order of things. Now, I've got some drawings, some different ways we're going to explain this. But he's, he's referring to the heaven, first of all, of earth's atmosphere. That's the uh, lower or what we'll call the first heaven. We're calling it first because the Bible identifies three. Okay? So you have the heaven of the earth's atmosphere. If you've ever... Um, seen, and I probably need to get one. I just thought about that. It'd be probably cool to put one on a slide here. But um, if you've if you've ever seen a a uh, a picture or a photograph or even a video for that matter 
of the earth from space, you'll notice that there's like a green, sometimes it shows up as green the way the light reflects off of it. Uh, it's like this green ring around the earth. And, and that is uh, what we know as the earth's atmosphere. Okay? And in order to rule the earth, in order to rule the earth, remember God created us to rule the earth. Am I right about this? You and I, we were created by God to rule the earth. Let them rule. Let them have dominion. He empowered us. He enabled us to rule. He gave us the, the, the assignment to rule the earth. And of course, we know that Adam bowed his knee uh, to Satan and uh, turned that authority over, that dominion over to Satan. And Jesus came to take it back for you and me. Am I going too far for you? Am I getting too, too deep on you? Jesus came to take it back for you and me. Now, Jesus came to the earth as a man to take it back. He could have taken it back as the eternal, uncreated Son of God. And it would have been His, but it would have not been mine and yours. He took it back as a man. It was a man who lost it. And if it's going to be restored back to humankind... It's going to have to be a human being that takes it back. And so Jesus came to take it back. And Satan knew this. This was why when he tempted Jesus, he showed him all the kingdoms of this world. And he said, if you'll just bow your knee to me, I'll give this all to you. Right, It's, it's mine, and I'll give it to you right now. Some people say, oh, the devil's lying. It wasn't his. If the devil was lying and it wasn't his, Jesus would have known he was lying, that it wasn't his, and therefore it would have not been any temptation whatsoever for Jesus. Are you following me? The fact that Jesus was tempted by this, because what is, the devil knows Jesus is here to take it back. And the devil's saying, look, there's, man, that cross, are you kidding me? They're going beat to beat you almost to death. You don't have to go through all that. Here's a shortcut. And of course, we know that Jesus didn't give in to that temptation. Aren't you glad? So the heaven over you has a heaven over it. And in order to rule the earth, you must rule the lower heaven over the earth. When we say over, we're not just talking about height or altitude. We're talking about authority and control. So the heaven and the heavens of the heavens cannot contain you. So there's a heaven, and then there's another heaven, and then there's a heaven over all of them. Okay? Let's see if... Um, wow. Let's keep going here. Um, Deuteronomy 10 and 14. Indeed, heaven and the highest heavens belong to the Lord your God and the earth with all that is in it. Now, let me, um, let me go here. Uh, this is, I've, sometimes I've wondered, should I leave this in there or take it out? But um, we're going we're gonna to go with it, okay? Um, this was one of my first efforts at, a, uh, at one of these kinds of drawings here. And if you notice that, for those of you who are listening on the podcast and not watching, um, what we have is uh, a, uh, a cartoon image of the earth. Uh, you can picture it in your mind. Uh, blue ocean, green continents. And then uh, there's a, uh, a circle around that one. And then there's a circle uh, further out that's around the earth and the inner circle. And this is designed to represent the three heavens. And I'm trying to give you a visual image of, of what we're talking about. 
And so the first heaven is going to be what we've already said. The, the lower heaven or the atmospheric heaven is what some people uh, refer to it as being. Then the, the one after that one, also known as the planetary heaven uh, or outer space, okay, uh, that would be the second heaven. And then the one beyond that is the third heaven, and it is also referred to as the current location of paradise. Paradise. Now, let me, let me remind you that when, when we shift over into talking about spiritual things, Sometimes the vocabulary fails us because we're trying to talk about eternal, uncreated, spiritual things using physical words. And that can be uh, a challenge at best sometimes. So if you look at this drawing, and it's very, very basic, okay, very simplistic. But if you were to take this drawing as literal then you would think, okay, we can get a big enough rocket ship and we can crash land into heaven one day. No, see, heaven is a spiritual place. Now, <laughs> this is going to require, again, a little uh, effort on our parts, okay? It's one of those things that you can understand by faith, but the meat computer doesn't know what to do with it. See, your brain has only experienced things that have a beginning and have an end. And when we step over into the realm of God, He is uncreated, He is without beginning, and He is without ending. And your brain doesn't know how to comprehend that. Your brain can't wrap itself around that or even try to imagine that. I've mentioned this before, but I was raised in church, and... And sometimes our Sunday school teacher, or maybe even at times our pastor, when he's trying to impress upon us the concept of eternity, they would use these different, um, like if the, if the moon was a steel ball bearing and a butterfly brushed its wing against it every day, by the time the butterfly had completely uh, scraped the ball bearing down to nothing would be the first day of eternity. Anybody ever heard that one? <laughs> I used to collect these things. I don't know why. It was good. I used to lay awake at night staring at the ceiling trying to wrap my head around uh, eternity. And sometimes I feel like I would just almost get there, right? And then it was like, oh, didn't make it. Okay. How about this one? All right. Um, if a bird took a beak, of, uh, a beak full of dirt and flew to the moon and spit it out and then flew all the way back to the earth and got another beak full of dirt and flew all the way to the moon and spit it out, by the time the, earth, the bird had transferred the entire earth to the moon would be the first day of eternity. Again, what are we trying to do with those kinds of stories besides make some of you giggle because you never heard them? I, my, uh, my examples are getting outdated. Look at y'all grinning at me. Has anybody in here heard anything like this? Anybody got a story about somebody trying to tell you how to, how to wrap your mind around eternity? Okay, all right, maybe I just do away with those. Maybe not. Okay, at least I got a smile out of some of you. All right. Um, let me, but let me tell you what we're trying to do with those kinds of stories. The way the brain works is it goes through a file cabinet and it pulls out a file. Oh, this person, that name, this face. And so we're trying to load something into our brain that we can then reference to help us wrap our brain around eternity. But even if you get, you know, so close, 
Remember, we're just trying to think about eternity for with no end. Eternity isn't one directional. In other words, eternity is not just from here with no end. It's from here with no beginning. Are you with me still? Now, you say, well, Pastor Mark, I, all this stuff's kind of getting beyond me or what, or what have you. Because we're talking about things that are spiritual in nature. So you've got the colors of the rainbow, also known as the visible-like spectrum. Roy G. Biv. Red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet. Anybody remember that? Anybody? Okay, so y'all were taught that. Okay. So by the time it takes Roy G. Biv to... No, I'm kidding. All right. So, so you do realize that that is a very limited sliver of the, of, of the light spectrum. That's what's called the visible light spectrum. In other words, that's the, that's the light that your physical eye can distinguish. You've heard of ultraviolet light. That's everything on the other side of violet. You've heard of infrared light. That's everything on the other side of red. Okay? So ultraviolet infrared, that's as much light as the light that you can see. So the point I'm trying to make is there, there's all kinds of things that we cannot discern or understand or distinguish with our physical senses. But thank God we have faith and we have the heart and we have the Spirit of God uh, to come to answers and conclusions and understandings of things. Not because we've reasoned it out, but because it's been revealed to us by the Spirit of God. When Peter said to Jesus, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, Jesus said, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you. In other words, he did not come to that conclusion because of something he studied in a book or because of something he heard on the street or because of his great mental prowess. He came to that understanding and conclusion supernaturally because the Holy Spirit of God revealed it to him from the inside out, not from the means of outside in learning, but from inside out revelation. Okay? So what we know is that everything that's visible was produced from and created by that which is invisible. What we can see is less real than what we can't. If you want to make an argument over two things that are real and one being more real than the other, I base that argument on what we can see is not as real as what we can't because what we can't see made what we can. Are you with me? What, what we can see came forth from what we cannot see. This is why faith is such a vital part. I sometimes refer to faith like a sixth sense. Okay? Faith is to your spirit what your five senses are to your flesh. Your physical senses enable you to function in a physical world. Faith enables you to function in a spirit realm, in the spiritual world. Amen. And so we make this rough drawing to try to help you get some type of concept about three heavens. But once again, not trying to make a joke, you, you can't get in a rocket ship and fly through the outer space and ultimately um, you know, wind up uh, in, in heaven because heaven is a, is a spiritual place and it's a real place. See, that's the other thing the devil tries to tell us, that spiritual things are like somewhere in the fog bank of our imagination. Wrong, 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 wrong. You say, some people say, well, Pastor Mark, you know, if I can't see it, if I can't touch it, if, you know, if, I, if, I, if I can't hold it in my hand, then I, I don't believe in it. Really? So what about thoughts? 
So there's all kinds of things that we, we can't see that are intangible, but are very, very real and very, very powerful. So heaven is a real place. Remember, you're a spirit being. We had not got there yet, but you are a spirit being. You have a soul and you live in a body. What was the mistake Nicodemus made? He tried to under, understand everything from a flesh-only, flesh-first perspective. One-dimensional thinking. Okay. So the three heavens, lower heaven, atmospheric heaven um, would be the first. Planetary heaven or outer space would be the second. Third heaven or paradise would be the third. So let's talk a little bit about this third heaven. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 in verse number 4. This is the Apostle Paul speaking about some of his experiences. He said, It is doubtless not profitable for me to boast. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know or whether out of the body I do not know, God knows such a one was caught up to the third heaven. He's talking about himself here. And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know, God knows how he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words which is not lawful for a man to utter. So we see a couple of things here. Number one is that paradise and the third heaven are the same location. <coughs> Excuse me. Anticipating some questions that you may have. It has not always been that way. Um, before Jesus, <coughs> before Jesus went to the belly of the earth and preached salvation to the righteous dead and set them free. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> I don't know what I sucked in there. Something's tickling my throat. So I was graciously given a gift bag of candy here. <clears throat> and it may be that my, uh, my subconscious mind is playing a trick on me that says you need to eat that Kit Kat bar right there. That would fix that itchy throat real quick. All right. <clears throat> oh, y'all couldn't see me online. I was holding up the bag. You could hear it rattling, so I didn't swap over online on the camera. Okay. <clears throat> Thank you for your patience. I don't know what's up. <clears throat> That's probably blasting people's ears when they are listening. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. All right. Voice is strong. It's got to be strong. In Jesus' name. Strong. Praise God. <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. We know that before Jesus took care of all those things that he took care of, that the, that the righteous dead were in a holding place, sometimes referred to as Abraham's bosom. But we know now that that <clears throat> has been relocated to the third heaven. And let me give you one more verse. I apologize. I should have done this already. Um, well, two more. Revel a whole bunch more, but as it relates to paradise. <clears throat> 2343. You remember this, Jesus... Um, speaking to the thief on the cross next to him. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me <clears throat> in paradise. And then we see Revelation 2 and 7. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him, who, 
to him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life. And where is it again? It's in the midst of the paradise of God. So we know that paradise and the third heaven and the throne of God are all in that one and same place. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody know if there's like a piece of peppermint or anything in this bag? No, just chocolate and good stuff here. <clears throat> Amen. <clears throat> I don't know if the Kit Kat will help or make it worse. That is so odd. That's never happened to me. What you got, darling? Something? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Lifesaver. Thank you. Amen. <clears throat> that is so weird. Praise God. So it's a funny story. You'd have to get my daughter to really play it out for you. <clears throat> but years ago, I was doing I was communion here at the church. <laughs> <clears throat> and um, I was praying over the cup after I had put the bread in my mouth and I got choked on the bread and I was trying to just push on through it and the more I tried to push on through it the more my voice look at that yeah and so my children obviously they, there's times when they start telling dad stories and that's one of their favorite ones to tell so um, <clears throat> so we see then that the throne of God the tree of life, paradise, third heaven, all of these are one in the same or all located in the same location. And by the way, this is, <clears throat> this is where we're going to go one day. Have a really big party for a thousand years. Celebrate uh, overcoming by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of our testimony and loving not our own lives even unto death. And then we're coming back to the earth. Amen. New heavens and a new earth. And um, love will one day rule this planet. And we'll get to watch it happen and be a part of actually, um, you know, installing that new government here on this earth. Now, let's keep pushing ahead here because there's some key considerations. All right. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2. He says, in which you once walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Thank you. <clears throat> so notice now, he's talking about Satan, and he's identified as the prince of the power of the air. We often think of hell as being like the devil's hideout or something. It's his eternal place of torment. Satan tries to occupy the space in this lower atmosphere or the first heaven surrounding the earth to try to control what goes on here on the earth. So are you getting a better understanding now of why Father God wants us from earth level to plant the heavens with his word? Because it is the word of God that defeats the enemy. It is the word of God that puts Satan in his place. It is the sword of the spirit. It is the one thing that he fears the most, 
is the one thing that he despises the most as far as what we have in our uh, weaponry and our arsenal to use against him. The word of our king, the word of our father. So we see that the prince of the power of the air is the same spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. When Jesus was trying to go to a place called Gadara to cast demons out of a man, a legion of demons out of a man that no one could chain him. He, he would cut himself. He was naked. It, it, was, it was just a bad situation. And, and uh, uh, you know, you talk about property values going down. I mean, you know what I'm saying? This was a, this was a, so Jesus went to set that man free. If you look at it carefully, that's when that storm blew up out of nowhere. Uh, and, and it was the prince of the power of the air trying to manipulate weather patterns to prevent Jesus from being able to get to that um, island and set that young man free. The prince of the power of the air. Job 38 and 33, he says, Do you know the ordinances of the heavens? Can you set their dominion over the earth? The ordinance of the heavens, can you set their dominion over the earth? He's talking about how things in the heavens affect life here on planet earth and how we have to understand that the spiritual things in the uh, heavens surrounding the earth, heavens plural surrounding the earth, um, affect what happens here on earth level, which also means affects our individual daily lives. Are you, are you, there's so much here to this, and I'm, I'm trying to just settle down and make sure we go through it bit by bit and piece by piece. But, you know, these things are, um, you know, so many times we try to deal with things in the physical realm without ever understanding or dealing with their spiritual root. You follow what I'm saying? Cause and effect. And a lot of times we just work on the effect and we, and we never recognize that there are uh, spiritual forces uh, working behind the scenes to try and manipulate these things. So let's go back to the heaven over me has a heaven over it. Do you see now why that's important? Because we, you know, Satan is trying to control things on the earth from the lower atmosphere, but we have connections with God who is in a heaven of heavens, the highest of heavens. And again, that's not just altitude or height above, but that's the dominion and the authority. Now, <clears throat> this next verse, and we, we could read a lot of verses here. I'm going to just try to zero in on maybe two or three. But Daniel chapter 10 and verse number 12. Daniel chapter 10 and verse number 12. Let me try to set this up for you. Um, Daniel, if you recall, was uh, a Hebrew. Excuse me. Daniel was a Hebrew who had been uh, taken captive uh, and had risen up through the ranks and people were jealous of him and you know, tried to you know, all kinds of you know, thrown in the lion's den. You're probably familiar with that story and different things. 
and there was a point where the king um, <clears throat> made Daniel and two other, uh, we call them governors, there's a different uh, name that they use for them, but basically governors, that rule the whole country. And the Bible says the king almost considered just giving Daniel, you know, like Joseph, charge over everything, no one being any more powerful than him other than the king himself. And there came a point as Daniel studied the scriptures that he realized there were some things that God had promised to Israel that had not yet come to pass. There were some things that God said was going to happen that had not yet happened. And Daniel got very serious about understanding why it hadn't happened yet, why these breakthroughs had not come yet, and what needed to be done uh, for them to come to pass. And if you've ever heard of a Daniel fast, this is where you still drink water and eat you know, very meagerly like vegetables and small portions and things of this nature. And we know that Daniel uh, fasted that way for 21 days. Now, if you would like to participate in a Daniel fast, you know, help yourself. I mean, do it. Any, anything that we want to give up to have, you know, more time for God and, and, and that sort of thing is beneficial. But what you have to remember, though, about Daniel's fast, because the reason he didn't like just say, I'm not going to eat anything, was he was determined to fast for as long as it took to get the answer. And so if it took, you know, 20 years, he, he was not, he was going to remain on that fast until he got the answer that uh, he desired from the Lord. And so we see then that an angel showed up, a messenger, after 21 days of uh, fasting and prayer, the angel shows up with Daniel's answer. And listen to what he says. Verse 12, Then he said to me, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. Man. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, and behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Now, what, is, what in the world is all this about? This is such a, a beautiful, uh, uh, what's the right word here I'm looking for? Beautiful would work, but we don't really see anything like this, or exactly like this, uh, anywhere else in Scripture. And so it, it makes it very unique. It, it, it makes it also, I think, you know, such an important passage for us to understand. It gives us a glimpse. Thank you, Holy Spirit. It gives us a glimpse behind the scenes uh, into spiritual warfare and what spiritual warfare really looks like and what spiritual warfare really is. And so... Daniel prayed, and notice that his prayers were heard 
The first day he set his heart to understand and humble himself before God, his words were heard. And why did this angel come to Daniel with, his, with the answer that Daniel was looking for? He says, I came because of your words. Angels respond to the words of God's people. God wants to put His, cover you with the shadow of His hand, put His words in your mouth, cover you with the shadow of His hand so that He can plant the heavens. You see, when we speak God's words into the heavens, it activates God's angels to, to, to do God's bidding on behalf of His people here on the earth. All right? So He came because of Daniel's words. But notice when He reached the lower atmosphere surrounding the earth... The prince of the kingdom of Persia. This is speaking of a demonic spirit. As a matter of fact, it's not just speaking of a demonic spirit. It's speaking of a high-ranking demonic spirit. There are a lot of these things that we don't know. There are some blanks that I sometimes try to fill in. But to be honest with you, there could be a whole bunch of archangels. But the Bible identifies uh, three Archangels, one of them being a former archangel, okay? Lucifer was an archangel, and he was over the music or the praise and worship in heaven. And we know that when he fell, he had deceived and caused one-third of the holy angels to fall with him. This is why I believe strongly that there are, or at least were, three archangels. Now there are two. The other one is, um, uh, <laughs> duh, Michael, who is over the uh, um, uh, messages. Am I getting this right? Somebody help me here. Michael and Gabriel is over the messengers and Michael is over the warriors. Okay. Now, again, there could be ones that we have no record of. God created them. He could have created more. You know, after the one-third fail, we don't have any record of that. We don't know that. One thing we do know is that angels do not procreate. In other words, two demons don't get together and have demon babies. So however many demons fail with Lucifer, or all the demons there are, and the population on planet Earth continues to grow larger and larger, which means there are less demonic resources per capita than there was at some point in uh, early history, human history. Are you still with me? Amen. Um, <clears throat> but even if there were no more uh, angels created, this means angels still outnumber demons two to one. Okay, so that's really uh, an important thing for us to keep in mind. So Daniel prayed, the angel leaves heaven with his answer, but the prince of Persia is withstanding him. In other words, he's fighting him. He's trying to keep him from breaking through that lower atmosphere to get the answer all the way down to earth level where Daniel is and where Daniel needs it. So what happens? Michael comes and takes on the kings of Persia uh, you know, against him so that this angel, unnamed to us, can make it all the way down to Daniel with his answer. All right. Now, <clears throat> we also see something else here. And that is that there are rank and file in the uh, kingdom of darkness and that some demonic spirits are higher ranking and perhaps more powerful than others, and that they, they have the earth 
divided up into territories. Because what we're going to see in verse 20 is then he said, Do you know why I have come to you? And now I must return to fight the prince of Persia. And when I have gone forth, indeed, the prince of Greece will come. So what is he saying? He's saying, look, I'm, I, you know why I've come, Dan? Yes, thank you for the answer. He's, okay, i got to go now. And on my way back now to the third heaven, I'm not just going to have to fight my way through the prince of Persia, but the prince of Greece has come over to join forces with him to try to prevent me from breaking back through the first heaven so that I can return into the third heaven where uh, the throne of God is. Okay? This is, listen, this is not fiction. This is not some kind of science fiction or some kind of fantasy novel. This, this is you know, our uh, window into how these things work. Now, Daniel at the time didn't understand any of this. He just knew that there were things that needed to be happening that were not happening. Things that God clearly wanted to happen that were not happening that God had already spoken to in His Word concerning those things coming to pass. And so uh, Daniel then takes up the Word of God and begins to pray. He begins to speak the Word of God. He begins to fast. He goes before God. What Daniel doesn't know is going on is that in a realm that he cannot see, there are demons and angels that are fighting to try to get the answer that he's looking for to him. War in the heavenlies. Amen or oh me? You still with me? Amen. All right, now. I've heard these things taught on over the years, and a lot of folks kind of stop right here. Remember, one of the big problems we have in the body of Christ is people trying to live under the new covenant with an old covenant test, uh, old covenant mindset. In other words, we're trying to, we're trying to function under a new operating agreement, still thinking according to the terms of the old operating agreement, and that'll never work. So what we're seeing here is how things were before Jesus, how they were before Jesus. There are still d demonic forces in the lower atmosphere that are trying to thwart the, the purposes of God from coming to pass uh, in your life and my life, that are trying to orchestrate, you know, remember, he only comes, Satan only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And yet we see this in John chapter 1 and verse 51. And he said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, hereafter you shall see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. So what's going on here? Philip gets excited about Jesus being the Messiah. And uh, he goes and finds Andrew and Nathaniel and all these different ones that... Clearly we don't have the backstory here, but I think it's obvious that they had had conversations about the Messiah because they say things like, hey, the one, the long-awaited one that we've been talking about, I, I found him, he's here, Okay. And so when he's uh, introduced, Jesus is introduced um, to, I believe it was uh, Nathaniel. Um, Jesus said, indeed, a man in whom there is no guile. And, um, and he's like, well, how, how, how do you know me, Jesus? And he says, um, look, bef before we were introduced, I saw you sitting under such and such a tree. And he's like, you are the Christ. You're the, you're the Messiah, you know. It, and Jesus is like, are you telling me that you believe just because I told you I saw you sitting under a tree at a certain time? And, and, um, 
And he's like, you haven't seen anything yet. I'm giving you the New Windsor International Translation. Because most assuredly I say to you, from this point forward, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Meaning what? Meaning Jesus blasted a hole in the lower heavens, right? The Word of God planting the heavens. It's enabling the angels to ascend and descend. Let, let, let's go back to Daniel's story for a moment. What, what do you think might have happened if Daniel had quit praying after three days? <laughs> what if he'd have quit praying uh, 18 days in, into this 21-day episode? I don't believe he'd ever made it. I, I believe it was his prayer. See, again, angels respond to the Word of God. And, and what he is doing, what he is saying, is activating, in, in, empowering and, and, and causing uh, things to happen in an unseen realm. He's speaking words in a seen realm, in a visible realm, that are affecting things in an unseen or an invisible realm. Does that stir anybody up in here besides me? Because we can do the same thing even... Now it's, it's, it, it, it works differently from the way it did for Daniel, but, but better. Okay, you still with me? All right, let's go, let's keep building on this. So angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Hebrews 4, 14, 15, and 16. Maybe you've read this verse before. Hopefully it'll mean more to you now than it has in the past. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So he came down from heaven, and he returned back to heaven. He has passed through the heavens. And that's significant because... In so passing through the heavens, he has blazed a trail for not just you and me to follow him to heaven one day, but he has opened up the heavens for us to receive from God in ways that were previously impossible prior to him doing what he has done for us. Okay, now let's keep building on this. Colossians 2 and 15. Here, and we could do a whole class on this, but... We're going to try to do a few minutes on it. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. So this passage is speaking of the demonic forces in the lower atmosphere that tried to keep Jesus from returning to the altar in heaven to pour out his blood for us there. When it says the great high priest who's passed through the heavens, remember when uh, Mary wanted to touch him after his resurrection and he said, oh, don't, don't, he, he comforted her, but he said, don't touch me, all right? Because I'm going to ascend to uh, my father and to your father, all right? And what is he doing? He's going to pour out his blood on that eternal altar in heaven for you and for me. Now, the devil thought he had won his greatest victory when he uh, had Jesus, uh, or at least he thought he had Jesus executed. Remember, no one took Jesus' life. He laid it down willingly. But the devil was so bent on, on hatred and so determined to destroy Jesus, he was blinded by his hatred. He was blinded by his rage without ever considering what Jesus' death on the cross was going was to do and mean ultimately for you and me and what it was going to mean against 
uh, him, the devil, personally. The Bible makes it very clear in 1 Corinthians 2 that if, if Satan had it to do over again, he would have never, ever crucified Jesus. Because he thought he was bringing an end to Jesus. Instead, he simply brought a new beginning for every human being that calls upon the name of the Lord to be saved, to be just like Jesus here on the earth. So this passage in Colossians 2 and 15 is speaking of the demonic forces in the lower, lower atmosphere that tried to keep Jesus from returning to the altar in heaven to pour out His blood for us there. It, it, was, it was almost like a, um, a trap that was set by God. So when Jesus begins to, to make that return journey, um, to, to uh, accomplish what he accomplished for us there in heaven, Satan realizing what was about to happen, it was an all hands on deck kind of thing. I mean, the prince of Greece was there, the prince of Persia was there. The, you know, the, all these demonic forces left their posts, right, unattended as a last ditch effort to try to prevent Jesus from making it back up into heaven to uh, finish the salvation by pouring his blood out there for us. Okay, you still with me? Uh, and so when I say it was a trap, uh, it was there then that Jesus defeated every one of them for you and for me. It was there that, I love this same passage from the Weest, W-U-E-S-T translation. It says, having stripped off and away from himself the principalities and authorities, he boldly made an example of them, leading them in triumph in it. Amen. In other words, he, he just absolutely uh, blasted them. Amen. All right, you still with me? So Hebrews 7 and 26, it says, For such a high priest was fitting for us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than, there it is, the heavens. Higher than the heavens. All right, I'm, I got more. I'm just rolling through these. Matthew 28 and 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Lower heaven, third heaven, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Now, let me, let me try to show you here on a, I just use what we're doing now as an example for uh, a, a greater, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, not Gabriel, I got that one now. Um, <laughs> all right, so. When the Lord begins to show you something that you've never seen before, all right, let that new light of truth begin to illuminate other things that are related to it in the Scriptures. Do you notice what we're doing now? We've talked about heavens, heavens plural. We've talked about how the, the, the angels had to fight the demons to get the answer to Daniel and had to fight to go back. But now Jesus came and the angels are coming freely, uh, unencumbered, back and forth, okay, working and ministering and comforting, working for Jesus, working on Jesus' behalf, just like God wants them and desires for them to work on your behalf and on my behalf. But now we take this same truth and we can look at these verses that, you know, maybe you've read this verse in Hebrews 7 that he's become higher than the heavens. Maybe you've read that uh, uh, passage in Hebrews 4 where we have a high priest who's passed through the heavens. You know, before maybe it was just something kind of poetic or a cool way of saying it. But now we see that passed through the heavens actually means something. Are you following what I'm saying? So you, you, you begin to understand, the Holy Spirit begins to show you something else. Don't, don't just allow that one truth 
to, to remain um, isolated uh, or compartmentalized, but begin to look at other things that are related to that in this new and fresh light that... that is anybody understand what I'm saying? This is, this is so important. This is how we grow exponentially. Because one thing leads to another. Remember, truth gives way to truth, gives way to truth, gives way to truth. The more truth you know and understand, the better position you're in to know and understand even more truth. And then even more truth on top of that. The same is true with, with things that are not true. The Think, th same is true with a lie. Uh, lies are like Lay's potato chips. It's hard to stop at one. One lie tends to lead to another lie, which tends to lead to another lie, which tends to lead to another lie. You've got to tell one lie to keep up with and cover over the first one and so forth and so on. So in the same way that lies give way to more lies, truth gives way to more truth. And so what I'm obviously trying to do is reinforce some things here um, and, and show you that this is not just some isolated thing in the Scriptures uh, by showing these other verses, but also... To, to help just, you know, all these different offshoots of this and, and how this, uh, you know, expands our understanding of, uh, of these things and what the Scriptures have to say about them. Amen? All right. So we've got, a, we've got on about 10 more minutes. Can you hang in here with me a few more minutes, 10, 12 more minutes? Okay. All right. So Ephesians chapter 1. So you thought I was done, but I'm not. And we could, we could do this literally the rest of this class and, and next. But because, again, now see, we're seeing some, but, but what, we're, what we're starting to see now is, is how this impacts you and me. What difference does this make uh, in, in our Wednesday, November 2nd, 2022, in our daily lives, okay? So Ephesians 1 and 19, it says, And what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe? According to the working of His mighty power, which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places. So Jesus went from death, hell, and the grave all the way up to the right hand of God in the heavenly places. Okay? This is the exceeding greatness of God's power. Brother Kenneth e. Hagin says this is the greatest display of God's power that the world has ever seen. All right? And you think, well, breathing galaxies, creating the earth, the sun, the moon, the stars, that's pretty impressive. Well, this is the greatest display of His power. And this is why Brother Hagin said that. He said, because if you understand what the Scriptures say, it wasn't just Jesus that was raised from the dead and seated at God's own right hand. It was you and me. Because the Bible says we were raised up together with Him. All right? So let's keep reading here. He's seated at God's right hand in the heavenly places. Verse 21. Far above, the heaven over me has a heaven over it. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And He has put all things, God the Father has put all things under Jesus' feet and has given Jesus to be head over all things to the church. Verse 23, I don't have it on here, which says, The fullness of Him who fills all in all. Okay? Now, that's chapter 1. Let's go to chapter 2. Chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. I feel like some of you are slipping away. Come on now. Don't let the devil steal this word from you. He's want, he does not want you to understand this. All right? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, but God, who is rich in mercy... 
Because of his great love with which he loved us. Why has God done, done all this for us? Why did he do all this for us? Because of the great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. What is he saying? See, if you're in Christ, if you're in Christ, you're seated in that upper heaven now with him. He said, no, no, that's, how, how can that be, Pastor Mark? I'm here, I'm not there. We've covered this once already. Let's go to John chapter 3. I'm making this case like a Philadelphia lawyer. You still with me? Still with me? Following along? All right. John, we've covered a lot. I understand that, okay? You say, oh, I can't keep up with all this. The Holy Spirit's your helper. Jesus said he'd bring back to your remembrance, okay? If we need to review some of this next week, we will. But I'm, I'm wanting you to, to see this. That's why I'm kind of going through these things rather quickly. All right. John chapter 3, verse 12. Jesus to Nicodemus, If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man who is in heaven. Where was Jesus standing when he said this? He was standing on the earth talking to Nicodemus. But what was he saying to Nicodemus? Nicodemus... I'm touching two worlds at the same time. I'm here on the earth, but I'm operating with the authority of one who is seated in heaven. The highest heaven. Are you following me? This means that Jesus had authority over the demonic spirits. He had authority over the uh, outcomes that the demonic spirits were trying to produce in people's lives. Jesus had authority over the works of those demonic spirits because remember, the Bible says that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. When Jesus would heal someone who was blind, he was destroying a work that, that the devil had tried to produce in someone's life. And we're seated there with him. We'll get into this in more detail when we talk about our authority and who is legal authority on this planet. But the short answer of it is, it's you and me, the body of Christ. We are, according to God, the legal authority here on this planet. Let's go to Psalm 103. Psalm 103, 19 and 20. The Lord has established His throne in heaven, and His kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, you His angels, who excel in strength. Angels who what? Excel in strength. Who do His word. Angels do His word. And they heed the voice of His word. To heed means to hear and respond. Heed, means, heed is not synonymous with hearing. Hearing is included in heeding. But heeding means to hear it and then to act upon it. The Bible says when Moses gave this great news of God's delivering uh, of his people from Egyptian slavery, that the people were so beaten down by anguish of spirit and cruel bondage that they could not heed the voice of Moses. It doesn't mean they didn't hear what he said, but they did not have the strength within themselves at that moment to respond to what God was saying to them through uh, his, his servant Moses. Are you with me? So when it says his angels who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of his word, who is the voice of God's word in the earth? Come on now, that's you and me. We are the voice of God's Word in the earth. You are the voice of God's Word in the earth. And who heeds the voice of God's Word uh, when it's spoken? When we plant the heavens with the Word of God, it activates angels on our behalf 
to, to perform God's word in our lives and in the lives of those that we pray and speak his word over. Praise the name of the living God. I'm getting stirred up. All right, let's keep going. Verse 21. Bless the Lord, all you his hosts, you ministers of his who do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all his works um, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Who do his pleasure. Remember we talked about the purposes of God and the pleasures of God prospering in our hands. The things that please God. The things that God desires to see happening. The things that God desires to see coming to pass in your life. Things that God loves to see happening in your life and your family. The breakthroughs that you're experiencing because of his great love with which he's loved you. Because of the things that he's put in you. Because of the new birth realities that you currently possess but may not know anything of. Amen. When those things begin to be expressed and experienced and enjoyed in your life reality, these are the things that give pleasure to God. It's impossible to please Him apart from faith. And he that comes to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. As we diligently seek God, we find Him. And as we find Him, we find life. As we find life, we find the life that He created us to live. We find the, the, the mysteries and the, and the keys to the kingdom and the secrets of, of living a successful, prosperous, uh, meaningful, contentment, uh, content-filled life. Bless the Lord, all you His hosts, you ministers of His. We're His ministers. Certainly we bless Him. But here He's specifically referring to angels. Angels who do His pleasure. We certainly do His pleasure. But the context here is angels excelling in strength, doing His word, heeding the voice of His word. And we see this in Hebrews 1 and 14. Hebrews 1 and 14 where the writer of Hebrews is explaining the preeminence of Jesus over the angels. Explaining the, um, the, uh, the position of Jesus above the angels. And he asks a series of questions there from the Old Testament. And then he comes to this conclusion for you and me about angels. He says, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? Are they not all ministering spirits? sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation. There's a lot of really important words here. A lot of really important words here. If you've looked this verse up in your Bible, I want you to circle, highlight, underline, draw lightning bolts around the word for. Minister for those who will inherit salvation. I read this wrong many, for many years. I read minister to the heirs of salvation. I preached minister to the heirs of salvation. And it's you know, clear as day, plain as day right there. Not minister to, minister for. I don't have any problem with you believing that. We see we have biblical uh, uh, precedents of, of uh, you know, angels ministered to Jesus. Angels ministered to Elijah. I don't have any problem with you. It's not wrong to say that they minister to people. Or they minister to you or will minister to you, okay? But in this particular uh, verse, he's saying not that they will minister to you, but they'll minister for you. Do you understand the difference between something done to you and something done for you? What do you need an angel to do for you tonight? What do you need an, an angel to, 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 to go uh, forth and, and change in your life? 
Some, see, they have access to things in the spirit realm. That's where so many of our issues are rooted. That's where so many of our, of our problems are, 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 are originate. It's, they have a spiritual origin. And that's why Paul says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. People aren't your problem. People are not your problem. Demonic spirits influencing people, right? They do that. But we've got to recognize that it's not the person. It's the demonic spirit they're giving place to. It's the demonic spirit that, that's trying to use them like a puppet. We don't have authority over people in the sense of using the name of Jesus, you know, uh, quit pester me right now in Jesus' name, you know. You can say that to a devil. You, a person can pester you if they choose to. But if you get rid of the, of the demonic spirit that's influencing and annoying and gouging at them, you're going to see a, a difference in, the, in that interpersonal relationship with this, with this individual. Amen or oh me? Amen. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? That's you and me. We are the heirs of salvation. We are a joint heir with Jesus. We are an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus. We have inherit. What does it mean to inherit something? That word is a beautiful word in the scriptures. It carries with it a lot of meaning and a lot of intent. But in this particular situation, to inherit something is when you receive uh, based upon what someone else has done. In other words, if let's, um, Pam and I were so blessed. I, I was thinking about it, uh, Pam. Um, uh, yesterday, uh, Pam's uncle, um, he passed away this year and, um, and, and blessed, uh, uh, you know, his family, we, we were considered his heirs and we received, um, uh, some things from him and we just couldn't be more excited about that. Um, we, it's probably been, I don't know how many years ago now. And by the way, he loved discipleship class, man. He watched it all the time. And I had an opportunity in the spare bedroom uh, of, of his home. Uh, he, we moved the desk out from the wall. I got logged on. And I actually, because we were down there helping him move um, uh, one year during uh, discipleship class. And I, it was the first time we'd ever broadcast a discipleship class. Um, and we live streamed it back to this room only. Um, and the group, this room was almost full that night. Um, and, uh, and so I taught from, from his... Uh, uh, spare bedroom and of course Pam and, and him they were in the other in the other room again, kind of listening so just I don't memories that class is somewhere I could probably um, find it for you I just took an iPhone you know just did it with an iPhone but it turned out pretty cool but but anyway the point is um, when you inherit something from somebody that 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 could be something that they spent their whole life accumulating it cost them their whole life to, to put that together and then you received it because of who you are to that person not because of anything that you've done are you following what I'm saying an inheritance is um, what belongs to you because of who you are and it's what cost somebody else their entire life to, uh, to to build that they gave to you for free it's grace amen and so we are heirs of salvation and as an heir of salvation, one of our benefits, ministering spirits. But what do they hearken to? If, if, ministering, if ministering spirits hearken to the voice of God's word, what do you think demonic spirits hearken to? What, do you, what are they? Hearken to is the King James. Heed. 
hear and respond, hear and respond, hear and respond. Cussing, you don't have to use four-letter words to curse somebody. Um, negative talk, complaining, doubt and unbelief. Let me, let, me, let me give you my definition of complaining. Complaining is glorifying the devil. It's praising the devil. Right? What are we doing? We're just magnifying something negative. And demonic spirits, because remember, they're fallen angels. They're trained. It's woven into who they are to respond to the words of God's people. But demonic spirits love to take negative things and respond to those. But God's people are speaking God's word. Put my words in your mouth, cover the shadow of my hand, plant the heavens, lay the foundations of the earth, say in design, you are my people. Amen. You get anything out of this tonight? Okay. Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you for the things that you're revealing to us. Thank you, Father, for helping us process what was a whole lot of information uh, tonight, Lord. And most importantly, Father, how, how this, uh, what this means to us, how this uh, affects and impacts us, the positive position, the advantageous position that we are now in as your children to take authority over uh, demonic spirits. Lord, to plant the heavens with what you said so that uh, the ministering spirits that have been sent forth to minister for us, Lord, we'll give them something to work with. We'll give them something to, uh, to use to produce in our lives the results, Father, that you would have uh, produced in our lives. Lord, thank you for every person that's watching this here live and those that will watch it uh, later uh, via re recording, Lord. I thank you, Father, for speaking powerfully and profoundly and personally to us by your Holy Spirit and by your Holy Word. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. All right, thank you for being with us this evening. Have a great rest of your day. Good things coming.